You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. So excited about this episode with the Charmadine Reed. She came to my hotel room when I was in London, and we just had this really wonderful chat in the afternoon. Every time I go to London, I stay at the Charlotte Street Hotel. It gives me this really kind of homey vibe always very comfortable there. And Charmadine is booked and busy. If you guys know anything about Charmadine, she is very sought after and in demand. So between speaking engagements and events, she squeezed me in, which I'm so grateful for. I first met Charmadine in 2012. She was a stylist and brand consultant before she really got into wand nails, but we worked together on a series of short films about music culture. If you don't know Charmadine from Wand Nails, W-A-H, the iconic nail studio that she launched in London, then maybe you know her for her trailblazing work she's doing with her app, Beauty Stack. Charmadine's mission is to use technology to economically empower women. She's even delivered a TED Talk on the topic. And as a woman in tech and as a Black woman in tech, I couldn't be more proud to know Charmadine. You are in for a treat with this episode. And I hope everyone is doing well. I feel as a society, we are at peak coronavirus concern. My office is all working from home this week and next. And I've just been trying to keep up to date with the most accurate information from the World Health Organization. That's who, W-H-O, that's their Instagram handle. They are also on Twitter and always sharing updates in real time. But their advice has been pretty consistent and I think helpful. All they're saying is to wash your hands, don't touch your face, particularly your eyes, nose, and mouth, avoid shaking hands if you can, and if you're sick, stay home. It's definitely not worth it to push yourself to go into the office or into any space where you could contaminate others. My hands are being washed now more than ever. So I keep hand cream on every single surface to avoid them getting dry and cracked. And just remember, I think it's really important to keep this perspective. It's not just about protecting yourself. It's about not being a carrier and infecting other people who may have weaker immune systems or people who care for elderly or live with their parents or their grandparents. So we can all do our part to stay safe and healthy during this time. Okay, my PSA is over. Let's get into the episode with Charmadine. 
If you love the show and you want even more Naked Beauty in your life, please check out my newly launched site, nakedbeautypodcast.com that has an archive of all of the older episodes. You can also search. So if there's a topic that we brought up and you're like, oh, I wonder if there's ever been an episode on you know, natural hair care. We've probably talked about it on one episode or another. So you can search that site. Also, Naked Beauty Planet. That's the community on Instagram. As always, if you love the show, please take the time to leave a rating and review. I so much appreciate it. And stay tuned for the end of the episode where I will share takeaways from my chat with Charmadine. I'm sitting here with Charmadine Reed, the founder of Beauty Stack, Anwa Nails, Anwa Magazine, and a million like cultural relevant communities and movements. And yeah, I was saying that I was looking at all of the WA archives earlier and the images that you were creating were so relevant in 2020. Yeah, it was, I guess, because I came from a fashion background, it just meant that I have a point of view on how I'd like things to look. Yes. Whatever I'm doing, I always want to make sure that the design's good, the fonts are good. Yeah. You know, the photo shoots are good. And it's really important for me to have that standard and at least try and maintain that element of creativity in my kind of busy operational type of life. Yeah. You were such a pioneer in so many ways. And now you're kind of ahead of the curve too, just in terms of there are so few women in the space that you're in. What is it? 4% of VCs or what, sorry, women led startups. Yeah. The stats are always like really bad. And then sometimes the stats fluctuate because like any kind of data, you can skew it to however you want it to be. Right. I don't mind that people don't understand this opportunity because it just means more space for us, right? So in technology, there is a largely male skew, but you need the women to bring the insights and the problem solving for half the world's population. Right, <laughs> That right. might be useful. So yeah, it's... It is an interesting world. If I'm honest, I try and stay focused on the problem that I'm trying to solve and hope that just by existing, I can be a good example for others. Yes. And what would you say is the core problem that Beauty Stack is trying to solve? Digitizing that centuries old question of where did you get your hair done? Right. Where did you get your nails done? Where did you get your lashes done? Who does the best facials? That's the core problem I want to solve is how do you digitally get that information there's so much work around products and beauty products and it doesn't surprise me because the beauty product industry is worth three times more than the service industry right and it's dominated by a few major players so it's only natural that the conversation has always been product-led but from my time at WAR I discovered and became fascinated by the service industry and the women behind it and their lives and the customers who come in and you learn about their lives. Yes. I heard you say that salons were the first social network. Yeah, they were the original social networks like salons, churches. Yes. You know, these traditional kind of places where communities would come together and exchange ideas and updates, you know, they're dying more and more. So I'm like, if everybody's on their phones, how can we do it for beauty? It's really funny because I just discovered the Bible app. Oh, I don't even... It's, oh, like the, uh, the Holy Bible? The Holy Bible. Yes. And I was like, this is sick. And yeah. then they've got a community bit, which is like, see what passages your friends are reading. I was like, even religion's on this, you know what I mean? So I'm like, how can we make a social network around beauty services 
because that information has not been shared anywhere in one place. No, absolutely. Going back to growing up, you grew up here in the UK in what was the town called? Wolverhampton. Wolverhampton. I've never heard of Wolverhampton. (laughs) But your family's Jamaican. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. What was it like for you growing up here? I loved it. Okay. I love being British. I love being Jamaican British, Black British. I love being an 80s baby and growing up with like post-war subcultures and being surrounded by music and clashes of cultures. And then also I love being an 80s baby and having MTV and cable. You know, I just loved it. So I feel like, and like real strong American culture. Yes. Is that when you kind of fell in love with hip hop? No, I fell in love with hip hop when I met my first boyfriend who was a hip hop DJ. Okay. And then he told me everything about hip hop. Yeah. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> you're so cool. Love you. Love hip hop. Actually, earlier than that, you're right. I fell in love with hip hop. I had two waves of it. When I was 10, my cousin was 15 and she was so cool. Rachel. Yeah, there's always the cool older cousin. Oh my God. She's the coolest. <laughs> she looked like a member of Total. She had her hair cropped short. Yeah. And she would bring home like, you know, bad boy records. She was a real like bad boy girl. Okay. And um, yeah, that's where I first discovered hip hop, watching Yo TV raps really later at her house. Then I got into like UK Garage and Funky House in my teens. And then I went back to hip hop when I was like 19, 20. And what's Wolverhampton like? Is it diverse? Is it? Wolverhampton is a small Victorian town what city now it's got about two hundred and fifty thousand people okay. it's quite cultural it has an amazing central library an amazing art gallery an amazing victorian pleasure garden and park that i used to cycle around there's lots of canals there it's a super industrial place it might be like cleveland or something okay. you know okay. i absolutely love it loved it and love it because it made me the person who i am And it has a very Jamaican community and a very Indian community. And I guess I'd say it is as diverse as you could get in Britain, in any town outside of London. I think people forget how few people of colour there are in Britain. Yeah, what are the percentages like in America? It's actually, so when it's, when, sorry, go on. In America, it's like 12% black, 12 or 13%. Yeah, but your non-white is about 36% yes, or yes. something. Non-white is much higher. Non-white in the UK, the last census I remember was like 11%, maybe less. Wow. And non-white also classes Eastern Europeans. Really? Yeah. So when, when I looked at the census, the black population was like, I think 3%. Yeah, much smaller. Really small. So I felt surrounded by all kinds of people all the time. So that was unique. It's not unique. It's, it just depends where you grow up. You look at the map of Britain and it's very green. Mm-hmm. Like half of the UK is parkland and forest. Yeah, and I was just in the Cotswolds and I was like, yeah, what is this super green, magical place? So it's not as urbanised as one might think. Yeah. And then in the big urban cities like Birmingham and Manchester, there are larger communities of non-white people. But I always felt like I saw people like me because my Jamaican family is very close with each other. Okay. And then my church is all Jamaican. There was like 200 people, you know, in my church. And I went, my schools were white for sure. But I never thought, oh my God, I'm the only black person at this school. I just was like, oh, well. I live in England. (laughs) You know what I mean? 
makes total sense. What about the Jamaican influence in terms of what you learned about beauty growing up? Because I feel like Jamaica has such a distinct beauty culture in a distinct way that women are celebrated and just thinking about the dance hall culture. And did you feel like you got that growing up? I've got eight aunties and they would all go to, it wasn't as, if you think of like first generation Jamaicans in the UK, mm-hmm. they were going to very like community center. I call them cultural centers here. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, like yeah. West Indian cultural center. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and there would be these West Indian cultural centers and all the aunties would drop all the kids off at, the, at my grandma's house and then they'd go raving all weekend. And they'd be wearing like, sequin boleros and it was very much like soul lovers rock which is a british thing lovers rock's purely british so it was less dancehall for me and more of a lovers rock influence which is a much softer kind of um your hair's weight it's very american-y actually if you think of the yeah i remember my aunt is always wearing like crop jackets <laughs> and like tight dresses and crop jackets and it wasn't super colorful it was like 80s black it was like a bit soul to soul and a bit lovers rock okay yeah when i think of someone like rosie perez that's probably who my aunties were like okay. looking at for inspiration. like rosie perez and do the right thing precisely yeah yeah, yeah. like tight um cycling shorts and crop jackets right. and stuff because they were probably just trying to fit in as well. And they think about it. My aunties for a long time had never even been to Jamaica. Mm. So they're getting, they were removed. They were removed and they're getting Jamaica through my incredibly religious grandma. So like, <laughs> you know, it's definitely wasn't a dance or culture. That melting pot of influ- influence. 80s Britain. When I look at the photos of my family in the 80s, they're all mixed with local people, local Wolverhampton white people, like all kind of merging styles and mashing up styles. So for from a beauty point of view, I remember my aunties never wearing makeup apart from a bit of lipstick. They'd always have lipstick. My mom, not a single scrap of makeup, but always would have a lipstick. lipstick. What yeah. color? Like a red Like lip? a plummy, oh, like okay. a deep brownie plummy color. And um, my mom always had her hair braided. Okay. She looked like Patra. Love Patra. My mom was so Patra and she'd have these braids and she's like five foot nine or something. So she'd be like Amazonian woman with her braids swinging behind her. (laughs) Love um, it. Yeah, it's funny because when I started wearing my hair natural and getting braids like all the time, I remember just catching a glimpse of myself thinking, oh my God, I look like my mom. I look like my mom. Yes. So yeah. Those early memories and seeing your mom, I think it does get ingrained in you in a weird subconscious way. So then you went to Central St. Martin's, Mm -hmm. which is like the hub of creativity and fashion. Did you always know you wanted to go there? I know it's a school that people dream of going to. Yeah, I did. I from when I was like twelve, I saw the prospectuses actually with the same cool older cousin. She had prospectuses <laughs> for universities and I saw London College of Fashion first. And then the more I started to research into the type of degree I wanted to do, I realized that I wanted to go to Central St. Martins and I studied um fashion communication. So again, thinking about that facilitating or hosting or creating spaces for people. I never wanted to make clothes, but I always wanted to be behind the scenes, Mm. like working with them. I just 
kind of devised my life based around going to Central St. Martins, yeah. to be honest. I watched um, an Alexander McQueen documentary and they talked about what it was like for him and the students and just like this almost like punk DIY thing where people were just doing their own things and throwing stuff together. And you created WA first as a magazine while you were in school, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think that like being in this kind of creative cultural hub is what sparked you to start thinking about creating or you would have done it anyway? I think I would have done it anyway. And the fashion design students had a much more intense Mm. situation than we did. Yeah. Like, I don't think that my schooling was anything like that documentary because (laughs) our class was like people who wanted to be journalists and, you know, graphic designers and photographers where it wasn't that intense level of pressure that the fashion design course did. The talent there was insanely amazing. And we used to help out at the fashion shows. And I just remember thinking about that the intensity of that pressure and you're creating art and you're spending your entire term or three years or more working on a collection to get it out. But I just think my personality type, I was always doing stuff. So like I was always throwing parties at school. I was always organizing things. I'd make things all the time. I was just like, that's me. I like making stuff. Always creating. But I like making stuff for other people. If it's just like, I'm going to see it, I don't do it. You like bringing together community with uh-huh. the stuff that you create. So what was for women in hip hop? Mm-hmm. Because you weren't seeing other girls at the clubs. Stood for We Ain't Hoes, which is brilliant. And then it evolved into this nail salon. And I was living in London at the time. And Wan Nails was every... It was impossible to get an appointment, by the I way. Know, so weird. <laughs> so- it was like such a thing. It was like you couldn't get an appointment at Wan Nails. I mean, if you you were like very far in advance, you could. Yeah, it's funny because even earlier, someone was telling me about how they used to come all the time. And I just remember for me as the business owner, it was just, I remember it being endlessly stressful. Yeah. I just remember six years or 10 years of absolute stress, not like the excitement that clients felt of coming Mm. in and stuff. So I opened the nail salon for the same reasons I started the magazine, which is I just thought this is something I want to consume that doesn't exist. So I'm just going to make it because then I'll make it for myself. And I think I'm quite fortunate in that when I make things for myself, other people tend to like it. So, you know, I just thought it has to exist really. Yeah. I mean, it's very powerful how you continue to create spaces and representation where there hasn't been in the past. I do want to talk about your approach to beauty now, because I was even trying to like think about how I would describe your style. And it's like, it's very eclectic. Like you, you kind of present as like a pop star. Like you're very like trendy. No, really. Do you think so? Yeah. I was waiting to hear how you would think of my style. Because like you do like, you'll do like animal prints and then you'll do like great like short skirts or dresses but then like I feel like you've got great accessories and like you do like the half up with your hair like I feel like you kind of like look like a pop star that's so but then you're also like businesswoman too I feel like you can really like oscillate between different styles I think it's because I'm a Gemini okay I'm such a Gemini Gemini. it's such a Gemini thing you know how I would describe it I always merged you mentioned punk earlier for me it's about how do I merge hip-hop which is like sportswear, athletic, a, quite a flashy like vibe with punk, which mm. is like really 
monotone and emo Mm -hmm. and also subverts traditional prints like tartan and so I will always have those things going on and I have have had them going on forever so I will always have a mixture of so for me leopard print would be like a real hip-hoppy thing but it could also be a punk thing Mm -hmm. and then if I will like I wear a lot of tartan so that's plaid for the American listeners But actually, like even now, I'm wearing very traditional like trench coat and a traditional yeah. camel scarf. I love subverting an eccentric English style because I'm a black Jamaican girl. Yes. So it doesn't it's like contrasts. I'm obsessed with the contrast. And then since starting a business, I've always had this top layer of, like you said, about the businesswoman over it. So, you know, thinking like, how can I be corporate but me? Yes. Post having a baby, I fully lost my style for a while. Really? Yeah, because, well, firstly, none of my clothes fit me, you know, because I put on like two stone. But also I was just like, wow, can I wear a miniskirt as a mom? You know what I mean? I was like questioning like my personal style and identity. Also, I was living in Highgate, which is like living in a fancy part of town. And I felt like I couldn't wear like my ripped jeans and stuff. Right. So I feel like most of the clothes that I wear now in my 30s are just slightly more expensive versions of the (laughs) things I'd wear in my teens or 20s. Yeah. I've had so many of the same things, so many like boots to walk, black boots, because I'm a girl about town. I have to be able to walk. Yeah, I you never, don't want to be in a high heel. No way. Yeah, I have so many trench coats or so many plaid scarves and camel scarves. And like, you know, I have the same. I've got lots of like ditzy floral dresses that might be Italian housewife one day or a bit prairie, depending <laughs> how, you know what I mean? So I tend to just buy the same things over and over again. But a key staple for me has been like a blazer. I love having a blazer. Yeah. You wear a blazer with tracksuit bottoms, with jeans, with a miniskirt, with a dress, it whatever. Good everything. And it just, I like having pockets. I hate carrying bags. So fashion's what I was obsessed with from day one. And like I said about the MTV and reading magazines and just like, who can I be today? Yes. A chance to reinvent yourself. Yeah. Like your who, look. what am I wearing today and who, who can I be? And the same goes with beauty, right? I mean, I feel mm. like you've done different things with your hair. I've seen you do different things with makeup. Do you like experimenting with your beauty look too? I don't think I'm that experimental with my beauty because so my hair experimentations have come because I wore like extensions for nine years straight in the exact same style. Yeah. I remember, I remember you did the glue in. Yeah, I, I used was like, to have, how do you get it so, so flat? flat? And you were like, I glue it. And yeah, I like, every two weeks, Matt. Yeah. So for nine years, every two weeks. With the middle part. I would have a middle part yeah. <laughs> and I would have bonded extensions in. Thank God my scalp is still healthy. <laughs> how on earth that happened? Yeah, I mean, your baby hairs are thriving. <laughs> yeah. of the help of your hair. So one day I remember doing my own hair because I couldn't get an appointment or something. And I remember just thinking, this is actually abusive <laughs> to myself. Yeah. Like gluing my hair, this is actually abusive. Because I think I glued it and bear in mind, because I was almost gluing, even now when I touch a part on my scalp, I, that's the end of the track. Yeah. And I was like, I could do it so um, quickly because I'd been doing it for so long. So long. And like, I knew where every track was, but I was just like, this is abusive. So then one day I just woke up and was like, I'm just not going to wear them anymore. And I didn't. 
That's great. I Did you go natural also in that same? Yeah, I went natural. My hair was so heat damaged, like no curl pattern whatsoever. You, to, you have to cut it all off at that point. I cut it off two inches at a time. Alicia Dobson at Bleach, she also was like, I'm going to not straighten my hair anymore either. So we both were just embracing our curls and we'd send each other pictures. We'd be like, it's too hard. I want to blow dry my hair. <laughs> You know, because the first couple months, your hair just looks dead. Yeah. Like, and you don't know lifeless. what to do with you it. You don't know what to do with you it. spent your whole life putting it away and like not doing it. So yeah. then you're like, what is this? What, what is this? So I just was like, do you know what? I'm going to braid it. So even with braids, I'm not that experimental. I'll either wear them black or blonde and either a really small box braid or a chunky box braid. I think my goal in life is to be as low maintenance as possible because I get up in the morning, get my son ready for school, get myself dressed. I don't like doing my hair. Even having to gel baby hairs annoys me. I get lash extensions. I got my eyebrows microbladed. I try and get regular facials because the less I can do, right. the better. Yeah. And even my nails are quite boring. No, your I nails just, look great. You've got a little rhinestone on yeah, each nail. Yeah, I've got a Swarovski crystal. They look lovely. For me... Beauty is less about self-expression and more about self-transference of energy. <laughs> I love sitting in the chair and having someone touch my head. Yeah. You know, earlier you asked about Jamaican influence on beauty. I'd say just being in between someone's legs, having your hair braided, yeah. that feeling. It's a great feeling. <laughs> I actually thought that would be such a cool like, experiential thing at a party. Just have loads of aunties in a row in the living room with like a giant sofa and you have yeah. to sit on a cushion on the floor and someone will grease your scalp <laughs> that would i'd be pay money for that epic because when you're an adult who greases your scalp no one no one does yeah so like that's what i love from beauty sometimes i don't need a treatment but i will go and get one done because i want to lie down yeah. on a bed yeah who do you like going to here in, in London? Oh, my God. That's my job. There's so many. I know. There's so um, many. I know Charlotte Mensah. She's who I went to. She's when I used fantastic. To live here. Yeah. So Charlotte's great. And I love being in her salon because the chat's always so yeah. interesting. Is it still the same one in Notting Hill? Yeah, yeah. It's right by my house. Okay. I oh, live around live the right corner. Yeah. And then I love going to Limbic Beauty for my lashes. I think they look super natural and they don't fall out. Yeah, your lashes look gorgeous. They're good, right? They're so good. I, I see a lot of bad eyelash extensions. It's like people are going overboard these days. Do you know, know what it people is? are doing the most. You know what you have to do? And this is like a cool feature in Beauty Stack. You can write private notes on your pictures. Mm -hmm. So the minute I had my lashes done how I wanted them, I said, what is this code, right? So I know I can go anywhere in the world and say, all right, I want a J curl 0.15 eights nines and tens tens on the outer corners and what's there. my lash map like i know it yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean so no one can mess my lashes up now yeah because i'm like this is the rules okay so they get longer a... as you get to the outer corner yeah they look really good i i don't have them where they're longer in the middle you know okay. yeah they look very natural and are they like mink or i don't know about that just yeah it's just like stick those <laughs> stick those numbers on my eyes yeah <laughs> and then i got my eyebrows microbladed with rachel Pittman. she is next she really? the biggest change in my life is getting my eyebrows microbladed i say the same thing i got my eyebrows microbladed in 2012 and i've never looked back since best money ever you could spent. ever spend i know ever 
I just went from being like crackhead to like natural beauty. <laughs> like, no, like literally, when you've got no, when you've got no eyebrows and you leave your house, you look crazy. <laughs> like, well, yeah, you feel like it's the one thing. On. Yeah. It's the one thing. Like every day since I was fifteen years old, I'd like penciled my eyebrows. Yeah. To have them microbladed, I'm like, wow. But do you still do pencil even though it's microbladed? Because I feel like I still, yeah, I still do. Yeah. But then, like, when I was in Jamaica with not a scrap of makeup on, this girl said to me, no, you haven't got makeup on, but how are your eyebrows so good? And I was like, babe, <laughs> microblading. microblading. I know. It's such a, it's like more people need to get into it. I know. We're doing a big push with Rachel Pittman, actually. We're really excited about in April. So, yeah, then I like getting my hair braided by an auntie who braids it in literally three hours, box braids. What? This hair I have now took an hour and a half. What? Yeah, yeah, it's like insane. I'm like, how do you? Is do it that? two people doing it? No, one person. She comes to my office, so I sit in my boardroom, and everyone <laughs> yes. comes to me for meetings. Love it. While she's behind me braiding my hair, I love. I that actually visual. did an interview while someone was braiding my hair. I love that visual. Yeah, I know it's so funny. And then um, I get facials at Skin and Sanctuary in Hackney. It's like going into a beautiful apartment. It's a bit like this. Like you walk into a gorgeous environment off the street level which is not common in the uk it's more common in new york mm-hmm. i also go to skin work at alex eagle those are my two go-to spots you have great skin have you always had great skin no really it's just been like work no not Pigments. work i would say the turning point for my face when i noticed people started commenting on it was when i stopped using scrubs Mm, physical exfoliants yeah and i stopped well i stopped using scrubs and started uh using oil at night yes i love a facial oil but it's just like a a thing right when you're growing up all the ads tell you to scrub your skin it's mad it's it's and it's actually damaging to your skin you create these micro tears so that's what what somebody told me yeah A, a, a makeup artist said Every time you use that, you're creating a tiny little scratch on your face. Exactly. And I was like, what? And then I just stopped. Yes. So what are your favorite skincare products? Like what are your go-tos? So in my 20s, again, I experimented with so much stuff and I was regularly posting products I was trying. And then you might notice that I never post products because I I found my crew. Yeah. I found my gang. Your go-tos. Yeah, so for a cleanser, I use SkinCeuticals, the AHA one. I love um, SkinCeuticals. Their whole line is me so too. Good. So good. I also use their vitamin C serum, the Ferulic. Great, but I product. flip between that and the BioEffect ESG. I don't know BioEffect. It makes you look like a baby. Really? It's insane. Okay. I need After to try seven this. days of using it, you look like a baby. And then when you stop, you look old again. And you're like, <laughs> Wait, ah, what is um, in this product? Barley from Iceland. Oh, like I love a good extract. natural. I love a good natural product. It's one of those incredibly clinical products. It's like another skin suit. Okay. It's amazing. So I use those too. So I have a bath every single night. Oh so God. I don't like cleanse in the sink. I get in the bath. And then I wash my face about five times. Okay. You really make sure it's clean. Yeah. And then I'm just looking at you now and realizing you look so young. 
I mean, I see pictures of you all the time, but like you must get carded. Like you look. I got very... carded at New Year's Eve, which I yeah. found hilarious. And then Roman was running around um, looking for like something. And then when he came to the till, she was like, okay, fine. <laughs> You're like, this is how old you're like, 10 years old? Nine. Nine. Like, yeah. How old do you think I am? I'm in the middle of the rural countryside trying to buy champagne. I'm not <laughs> like a teenager. <laughs> but you look really young. Is it genetic though? Like, does your mom. I think it's. Endless moisturizing. Okay. Okay. I also have this theory when people say that black people have good skin or young is um I always say to my friends I'm like yeah but I've got twenty years of moisturizing ahead of you. <laughs> so I've true. been moisturized since the day I was born. Right. I've been coconut oiled and face creamed, <laughs> and even now I cream Roman's face and it's hilarious because he hates it. Every day before we leave for school, the last thing I do is oil his face with like cocoa butter or coconut oil or jasmine oil, and he's like ah. I do the thing that a black mom does, which right. is just smear it all over his face. But, I you love know, this theory. It is, uh, it's my true theory. It, it makes sense. It makes sense. Because that's all it is. You keep looking young by putting moisture back into your skin. Yes. And if you've had it every day from the day you were born, you are going to have... The reason why my skin didn't look so good the older I got is because I just didn't have the discipline of mm-hmm. creaming my face mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. But now I... Never, I wouldn't even dream of going to bed without completely washing my face and then oiling it, oiling the hell out of it or whatever. I don't tend to put serum on at night because I get quite warm and dry. Okay. But I will do an oil every night. What type of oil do you use? It varies based on what I think I need. Okay. So it might be, I actually got a bunch of drunk elephant stuff which I was a bit sceptical of because everyone talks about it. So then I'm always sceptical. <laughs> but it was actually quite good. Yeah, the marula oil. The nice. marula and the vitamin C. So you might use the vitamin C at night, actually, drunk elephant one. And the marula's nice, but I tend to just buy a pure oil. Yeah, same. From Amazon, I'll get a pure vitamin E or a rose here. Yes, or love. I'll just buy just an oil. Yeah, just a cold-pressed organic oil from Amazon. It doesn't need to be like exactly. in a fancy packaging. Or coconut oil. Okay, I can't do coconut oil on so, my face. Do you know what's hilarious? Not hilarious. It's not funny at all. I didn't realize that it really affects some people's skin negatively. <laughs> yeah. Does like, it make you break out? Crazy. Yeah. It like makes me break out so bad. Like I can use it on my body, no problem. But on my face, it's disaster. So, you know, when about two or three times a year, I will get a stress rash all over my face where it's like tiny little bumps, mm-hmm. almost like an allergic reaction. Oh yeah. That happens to me too. Yeah. And whenever it happens, I just put coconut oil on it and it comes, it goes down. away completely. Oh. And when I, when I want my skin to glow, cause I'm like, Oh my goodness, my face looks so dull. I'll just smear coconut oil all over it. And after a couple of days, it'll go back to pinging. Mm. I should also stop drinking cause Alcohol. it just makes you look gray and old. <laughs> I don't, that's probably why I look young. I don't drink. Yeah. I mean, I do drink. Tell but you don't drink a lot. I don't drink a lot. Don't smoke. Never have. Okay. Never smoked in my life. I mean, that makes a huge difference. Never done drugs. I know that sounds weird, but like I went to a fashion party the other day and I thought everyone looks so old. old. <laughs> yeah. And I was like. They've been at it for a long time. I was like, why do you look, why does everyone look so old? I don't go out that much. Mm. When You, you get go- sleep. It's not just sleep. I went out the other day to a over 40s disco under the West Way in Notting Hill. 
And what, Sounds like a vibe. <laughs> it was actually a mad vibe. And it was that Jamaican mix. It was that like loads of black people, loads of white people, okay. loads of people just loving music and disco and like Chicago house and stuff. And I remember thinking, wow, it's been so long since I've been with so many people sweat, like yeah. bacteria. Yeah, that's so real. <laughs> it's really real. So it's not like I act, I would never be like, I'm not going out because I don't want to be in people's sweat. But when you just don't do those things regularly, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's why my face is fine. Yeah. yeah. And you also like, I feel like you protect like your zen and your energy. Yeah, because you're not up late, so you're not tired. I could go out and not drink and still be absolutely exhausted because you're just yeah. out late. Exactly. Then you're not around smoke, so yep. secondhand mm-hmm. smoke. Mm-hmm. You're not putting your body under the pressure through like heavy drinking or you know, substance abuse. I just think like if you wonder like why, you know, you might not be as fresh despite putting on topical creams, you have to heal yourself from within. Yes. And analyze your environment and what you're choosing to do with your time. Yeah. Your diet, everything. I love sweets. That's my, that's my addiction. I don't eat that many sweets, but I love a carb. Same. I love it. What's your carb of choice? Pasta, bread. Potatoes. Any potato in any oh. form. If I had one food for the rest of my life, It'd I'd be fry potatoes. potatoes, boiled, mashed <laughs> butter, <laughs> chips, fries, crisps. Mm. Even on the way here, I was like, is it bad if I go into McDonald's and get fries? <laughs> I, like, I haven't got time. Can I ask you two, well, yeah, two last ahead. questions? Okay. One of the questions is the biggest beauty mistakes you've made and how you've learned from them. Are there any beauty mistakes that you've made that you feel like you've learned from? My cousin put hair removal cream on my eyebrows as a teenager. Whoa. (laughs) And they never really grew back. How I learned was to get them microbladed. Yes. Which made them grow back thicker because I never had a clear definition of where to pluck and where not to pluck. Yeah. Another big beauty mistake, I would say putting on makeup with a brush, but never really actively washing the brush. Ooh, yeah. Not washing your makeup brushes. I apply my so what I do in front of my mirror I wash my hands thoroughly then I pump my Fenty foundation into my palm the hydrating new one or the The older one one, the matte then I rub it all over my face which people find hilarious wait why oh because they apply it with a tool yeah and then I wash my hands again and then I carry on I think that's great yeah because there's no bacteria there yeah so a big mistake for me was applying foundation with a brush or a sponge didn't work for me because I'm lazy with the washing. I think applying with your hands is good also because the warmth from your hands helps to yeah, like yeah. make it blend it. Especially for that foundation where it it dries really, really fast. fast. Yeah. yeah. What are your other makeup faves? Chanel waterproof liner. Really? Liquid? It's like a coal. It's a pencil thing. Okay. Like a coal. Yeah. But it's got no, I don't need a sharpener. Okay. It lasts for months okay. and it gives a sexy smudge but also a straight line if you need it um for my brows i love the goof proof oh i don't know this how can i not know what brand it is must be benefit okay benefit because it's a random it's a random brand i would never buy apart from i got gifted this thing yeah so i literally my routine so basic i just put my serum on rub my foundation into my face pencil my brows a little bit put a bit of liner on Always have a lipstick of Bobby Brown in brownie. Classic. Classic. And then that's it. Nothing else. 
Nothing under bit bronzer. Highlighter. Tiny bit of highlighter. I'll use the milk. Okay, I love milk's product. The milk highlighter is great. The goldy one. Yeah. That's about it. Okay, you keep it pretty simple. So basic. But you're so also so busy. What do you do for self-care? What do you do to take care of yourself? Because I get a treatment just on my app. Yes. Yes, on Beauty Step. I literally just go on the app and it's like, who's going to make me feel good today? Yeah. When you think about the future of Beauty Stack and where you want it to be five years from now, 10 years from now, what's the ultimate vision? The ultimate vision for me is that whenever you think that I'd like to try or I want to get this or I need this feeling that you would come to us because there's very few in real life. If you think about beauty, the digital beauty community, there's nothing for in real life facilitation. Like you might be able to chat with a friend on a beauty right. social network for years. But it's not the same as... You never meet up with them. Yeah, so true. But you need the human bit. So what I like, when I see the future of Beauty Stack, I see us facilitating like millions of in real life interactions mm. around beauty. That's beautiful. And all over the world. Like all you want to be in the world. hundred percent. You land in India, it's the same as landing in Lagos. Like yes. you want to get a braid, a wax, yes. a massage. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's such a universal need. Totally. I love that. Okay. Final question that I ask everyone who comes on Naked Beauty. When do you feel most beautiful, Charmadine? I feel most beautiful in the morning when you're morning skinny. <laughs> <laughs> And you look at yourself and you just are you. Yeah. Well, like actually naked, like physically naked, but also you've got nothing going on. I also feel most beautiful when day two of a braid. Yeah. It's never the first day. It's never the first day. Never the first day. day two, you wake up, you're like, oh, look at me. <laughs> look at me. I look fantastic. Yes, that is the vibe. Okay, beautiful. Thank you so much for being Thank on Naked you. Beauty. I so, so appreciate it. And I'll link to everything where you guys can get to know Charmadine better. You can download Beauty Stack. And yeah, we're just eagerly like following along. Your I really amazing appreciate journey. it. You've always been so supportive. I showed my whole office those videos we made. Oh my God. Because I was like, you guys are trying to find me a director. <laughs> Look at the quality of the video I made when this wasn't even my work. <laughs> so like In 2012. It was amazing. Yeah. I refer to those projects all the time. I know. It's some it of like absolutely legendary. Yeah, I know. So, we were so young. We were just so like doing young. it. So thanks for making it happen. Of course, of yeah. course. All right. Thank you so Thank much. You. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
Isn't she just amazing? I hope you guys loved the conversation as much as I did. Takeaway number one, how much your family can influence your beauty choices. I loved hearing Charmadine talk about growing up as a black Brit and the influence of her older cousin, but also that her mom had on her. She talked about her mom wearing her hair in braids like Patra and catching a glimpse of herself in the mirror as an adult and thinking, oh my God, I look just like my mom. I think that what you see from women in your family as you're growing up has a profound impact on you and how you shape your identity and what you think looks good. So I loved hearing her link those two moments. Second takeaway, finding her sense of style after having a baby and having these questions like, can I wear a mini skirt or not? Is this appropriate for moms to wear? Questioning her personal style and identity, but then arriving at her own classic style. And I love that she talked about wearing trench coats and black boots being a girl who's just out and about and on the town, she just doesn't have time for heels. I totally feel that. But also her point about not liking carrying bags. I think this is something that I honestly strive towards. When she came to my hotel to do the interview, she was actually, she was wearing a trench coat, but she didn't have a bag on her. Looking back, she didn't have a purse. She must have just had everything she needed in her pockets. And I feel like there's something really empowering about the idea of basically walking around like 99% of men do without a bag. I feel like that's something that I need to strive for because I'm just carrying around so much stuff at all times. Being bag-free feels like freedom. Another takeaway from Charmadine, identifying when your hair practices are becoming abusive. She talked about overcoming heat damage and doing it slowly but surely by cutting off two inches of hair at a time. But I think you do have to have that moment if you overcoloring your hair or putting too much heat on your hair where you have to really stop and think, is what I'm doing good for my hair or is it being abusive? Am I being unkind to my hair? Another takeaway from Charmadine, her goal in life, in her words, is to be as low maintenance as possible. And for her, that means regular facials, microblading, keeping her hair braided and doing her lash extensions. And I loved her tip about figuring out her exact recipe for her lashes. She called it her lash map. And once she figured out, okay, I, I love eights, nines, and tens. I like the J curl. Then basically every single time she goes to get her lash extensions done, even if it's a different person, she has her exact lash map, her recipe that's foolproof. And she knows she'll be happy every single time. And the final takeaway I got from her was just once you find your products, sticking with them. She talks about how she started to use rosehip oil in her skin routine. And I loved her theory about how putting moisturizer on your skin makes you look young. She, like me, buys her oils on Amazon. You guys know I preach this all the time, but once you find an oil that works really well for your skin, let's say it's marula oil, which cool if you were introduced to it through Drunk Elephant and great if you want to continue buying the Drunk Elephant brand, but you can also buy cold pressed organic marula oil directly from Amazon you know, do your research, make sure it's a good supplier. I always love mountain rose herbs for my oils, but a lot of the really, really brilliant oils for your skin, you can buy directly. You don't have to buy them from like a fancy brand because a lot of times you're paying for the branding and the bottle. So yes, I love that tip from her as well as once you find what works for you, stick with it. Don't feel pressure to go out and buy new things. Sometimes it gets tempting to continue switching up your skin routine, but sometimes like when you know you've got like your tribe, like these are the products that just do it for my skin, it's okay to stick with those. So I love that tip from her. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. I appreciate you guys so much for listening and I will be back next week with a new episode. 
watch that show. Ask me no speed, me no king, me no jack. Me a the queen that me run. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 